Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. I'm Pastor Brad Matthias. I want to welcome you to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. And I'm Robert, and it's good to be here. I'm just to continue the conversation. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. To continue the conversation <laughs> we had just before we came on and started recording, Brad, you, you were saying you shave your legs, but how many times a week do you shave your legs? <laughs> like, seriously. Is it like every day or you know just what? every other day? When you get to be my age, the socks rub the hair right off, so it doesn't matter. You don't have to shave anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Haven't you noticed? No, I haven't. I just found that well, that's because you wear those funny, weird design socks and I wear wool socks because I had I live in Maine where it's cold. Okay. Yeah. Whatever you say. Anyway, we were talking about apples and uh, oranges, right? Earlier. We're talking about Mac versus PC and we're curious. Leave a comment in our um on wherever you find this and let us know if you are a Mac lover or a PC lover. I, along with anyone that I don't know, I don't even know what to call it. It's just a different kind of State of mind, Careful. including our guests, Careful. are Mac users, and Brad will not let go of his Android device or his PC. So I'm curious of our listeners out there, who is with me and who is left behind with Brad? So, so just leave it I just, there. I, I just want to make sure I'm hearing this right before we go on. You're saying that there are more people who use Macs. That is the popular way to go. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying the preferred. Preferred. I'm not saying there's more people. I'm just saying experience. Well, see, Jesus taught me that narrow is the gate, right? <laughs> okay, well, that would be life, Mac then, because there's... No, I think you're playing both sides now. No. I think that I'm being persecuted because of my faith, and I think you are in a cult. So, there you go. Well, if I'm in a cult, so is our guest. I'm really excited. Oh, no, 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 I... just you. I didn't say anything about our guest. You're the weird one. She's fine. Well, I think there's a point, right, in the whole cultural – we're sort of playing this out, and we're only half kidding. Um, the, the, there is always this sort of push from culture, right, into the church. Mm -hmm. The values of our culture definitely influence us. Uh, whether you're a Mac or a droid person, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, our culture demands that we polarize, mm. that we take a side and fight the other one. And uh, one of the places that God's put on our hearts as a podcast is to provide a platform for Christians who are trying to make a difference and are not being baited into a cultural debate. So Very true. Yeah. Today, we have a very special guest. Um, her name is Jessica Smart, and she is a blogger. She's an author and a homeschool mom. She was a former teacher. She's been on the Huffington Post. Uh, she's written an ebook, How to Introduce Your Child to Jesus. And she's also the author of Memory Making Mom. And we want to welcome her to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. Hey there. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. It's great to have I you. I have a Mac, but I don't have a Mac tattoo. So, well, see, you're not in a cult yet. Good for you. There's hope. <laughs> yeah, I, just to clarify, I don't have a Mac tattoo either. He just he just pulls that out of his back pocket. Okay, too. I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, I and don't. I don't shave my legs, yeah. so I mean we're even on okay, that. Okay, now we've gotten everything straight. <laughs> now that we're on level playing field, level footing, welcome to the show. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about what led you to write this book that you just put out. Um, 
so it was kind of two factors interceding at the same time. Um, the biggest one that most people will probably relate to is just I had this kind of gut feeling that I wasn't making the most of parenting and being a mom. Um, and, you know, we all struggle with parent angst at some point. Am I doing enough? Am I making the most of this? They get old so fast. Um, but we had a, and I talk about this in the first couple chapters of the book, we had a pretty serious um, medical scare with one of our kids. And at one point I'm sitting in the hospital room. He had recovered, you know, at that point things looked like it was going to be, it was going to be all right. But what it, it was a traumatic day and just one of those times that really jolts you into, okay, what is happening in our life? Are we really doing what matters? And I just felt so strongly that we were missing something. Mm. Um, so it's not that at that very moment I realized, oh, we need family traditions. But slowly it did dawn on me that that solution was traditions because mm. traditions are the missing link between what we value and how to actually make it happen. Traditions are a way of saying, this is what I value. And every day, every week, every month, every year, whatever, every season, we're going to put something into practice that says this matters. And so I kind of just started doing a research project and talking to people and reading all kinds of books that I could find and just coming up with like everything from the silly to, you know, what do you do when somebody loses a tooth to the serious of, you know, um, how do we teach our kids about faith and just came up with a lot of different traditions. And, um, Around the same time, you know, you mentioned I'm a blogger. I had gotten connected with an agent and we were just kind of trying to figure out what might be a good book topic. And I had all these fabulous ideas. You know, I was sure we're just going to be these <laughs> big hits. But he would keep directing me and just saying, you know, we need a positive spin. We need moms have we've talked enough about the dirty diapers and the sticky floors. We, we get it that motherhood is hard. But how can we encourage people to go a good direction, you know, in a way that's really motivating and fun? And so kind of all these things combine at the same time. And I realize this is my passion. This is something I'm not like always have been this memory making mom. It was a very like in process thing as I wrote the book to kind of flesh out how moms can do this, how parents can do this. Um, so that's how the book came to be. <laughs> a a awesome. long, convoluted answer. <laughs> no, that's really good. And I think, I mean, it, you're you're so right that we we can lose track of. It, our lives are complicated and busy and, you know, um, life throws all kinds of things our way. And I think traditions and are, are very anchoring. And I think they're, they're something that we as a society don't do a whole lot of anymore. So I'm really, I'm really glad that you, that you wrote that book. What are some, You're right? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, what are some of the things that like you found yourself doing or that you kind of noticed that you had been doing that are those traditions or those memory well, moments. you touched on something that I want to point out first. Sure. I love how you said notice that you had already been doing because there's so much information there for parents, so much pressure. And so I think the idea that, oh, I have to do, not only do I have to make kids be smart and good at athletics and run the household and not forget to pay the bills, but I also have to do this other thing can be super overwhelming. But I think you're right. A lot of it is we do stuff regularly that our kids love that they see as a tradition that we don't even realize is. And so I think step one is talking to your kids and saying, what do you love about our family? What are some of your favorite things that we do at Christmas? Or what do you love about vacation? And you'll realize mm. there's a ton of these things you've been doing or that they love that you just keep it up, keep it up, you know? Um, 
so that was one. But we definitely did add a lot because I tend to be more, um, you know, just business like, I guess, running the home and trying to just get keep everyone alive. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I realized that we needed more fun. And so we have added a lot more things that are fun in an intentional way. Um, and I feel like I use this example all the time, but it's so good and just captures a lot of what I'm trying to say. A friend of mine started something that she called Family Day. Um, so you would name it like, you know, we call it Smart Family Day. And we do this in um, the spring or summer. Uh, so you could start planning it now. And it's just a day that we set aside to celebrate our family. We choose an activity that we've never done before. We rented a boat one time. We went camping one time. Last year we did um, kayaking, I think. So we picked something fun that we'd all enjoy all together. No extra kids, neighbors. Mom doesn't do a coffee date. The, the day is about us. We have foods that we love. Um, and then at the end of the day, and I, my kids are relatively little. I've got nine, seven, or well, 10, eight, and four. But we do a little award ceremony. And their faces, getting these awards, and it's silly stuff like good friend award or learned how to ride a bike award. Like, you know what I right, mean? It's not right. like- Recognizing happy. something. But yes, their faces, it is the most precious thing. And I'll tell you, it took me about 10 seconds to print off the- thing. My husband and I hide in a closet somewhere and write, think of something, but the rewards are incredible. So that's one, just one example of we do that yearly um, and we always will. And it's going to define our family and it says, we're important. We matter. You guys matter. Mm. That, I love that. So you, you may not know this, but I wrote a book about road trip to redemption, which was this massive road trip. I took with my kids when they were teenagers to uh, Banff, Canada from Tennessee and back. It was about a 7,000-mile trip. And it became sort of this epic event. And road tripping then became our tradition, as you will, uh, as a family. Did you do it with a camper? We didn't. We did it with a Honda Pilot and uh, (laughs) some miles from Hilton. But uh, we did stay in some cabins and things along the way. We definitely did some camping-type things. But... At the end of the day, we just, we'd never done anything like that as a family. And it really changed the dynamic in our home. And it gave us a reference point. And it it started something. It was like a ripple in a lake. What you're describing sounds really similar to that and uh, really valuable for parents and families to consider doing beyond just the devotion thing or going to church on Wednesday nights or you know, that sort of structured uh, church-based Somber stuff. kind of. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's that quote, they don't care what you know if they don't know you care. And so making the family feel that they matter and they're important and gl- that glue that holds the family together is the vehicle that truth can walk through. Hmm. That's um, really good. Yeah, that's really good. You know, uh, we had we had heard one of your quotes from a friend of ours that – you can redeem your childhood by making memories with your kids. So that's like a quote to the mom. And it was in your in your book that you just released. I like that quote, but I want to know more. Tell me what that means to the So that's sort of a rephrasing of it, but certainly that idea is in there. Um, I think I just said whatever your past is, whether it's, you know, your current past as a parent that you feel like you've just kind of done a subpar job or that you didn't have those things, um, that yes, that you can rewrite the story and redeem that time. Um, 
And, you know, I'm going to talk about my agent again because he, he just was so influential in this. And he's about, oh, gosh, isn't it dangerous to try to say how old people yes, are? Yes, it is. Don't yeah, don't. Don't. Just be vague. He's older than me, okay? He's older than me. He's in a different generation than me. And um, his family today is just beautiful. I mean, they have all these rituals and all this depth and, I mean, so many traditions. Well, come to find out, he, he had a very difficult upbringing. Really very, um, was just kind of like no parents in the home, very MIA. He says he raised himself. He joked that his only traditions were like cereal, cold cereal, you know, at dinner kind of thing. <laughs> um, and he wrote that he rewrote the story. And so I think we bring so much baggage in and think, well, I didn't have an example and we didn't have this and I don't have good relationships with my parents and blah, blah, blah. And the one main thing I wanted to do for parents is to say, you can start over right now. Forget all of that. Right now, very, this very second today, you're not defined by your choices or your past or your mistakes. You can start right this instant, even if your kids are 19, 17, and 13, or 25. You can start rewriting the story and implement life-giving traditions with whatever people are in your life. I really believe that. That's really that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. And I think you're, you're exactly right. That um, well, One of the things that, that you said is it doesn't have to be this really complex or you know, elaborate thing. It's just more about being deliberate. And a lot of times there are things that you're already doing that you just need to kind of maybe isolate and celebrate a little bit more, be a little bit more deliberate and call it something or whatever. And so you can really start anywhere and, and it doesn't have to be this bar mitzvah kind of occasion, you know, like, but, but it is anchoring when you create these traditions. I think a lot of other cultures uh, are so much better at this, like with families. I grew up in Africa um, as a missionary kid and I can remember just the tribal life. We lived with the Zulu tribe for for mm, four years, and there were so many rituals and traditions that they practiced. And you know, I'm not suggesting that we become tribal, but but there was something beautiful about that because there was there was something stabilizing, and and this is you know this is who we are as a people, and it's passed down from generation to generation. I know for me, I, I walked. Um, I was a single dad for eight and a half years, and I have three daughters. And I had full custody. So um, it's especially important, I think, for single parents to find something simple and and celebrate it. Whether I mean, there was a number of things that, that my daughters and I did, but I was very deliberate about doing that, not because, um, and I'm not self-congratulating here at all, I just heard a counselor talk about the importance of stability, especially in your single parent. Um, and so what trying to find things that you can do that kids count on or kids look forward to um, is really critical. And I, you're just kind of taking that to the, to the next level and saying like, whether you're a single parent or not, make sure that you're being deliberate about this. And I just think that's such a, it's such a good idea. What do you, like when you're a mom, maybe you're working and you're raising kids or whatever. Um, what would you say to a mom out there? It's like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to, you know, what, what can I do? I don't, I don't have the money necessarily to go and go to Disney or go something like that. What are some other practical tips that you give in your book of, of ways that we can create memories? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I would buy the book for sure. That's a good all. start. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, like I'm thinking about it and I went through and laid out kind of all the categories that I felt um, mm. were important. Food. Oh, look, a big one, we've right? got um, a guest behind oh, you. Oh, 
Hi. Hi. Okay. <laughs> well, here's real life as a mom. It's awesome. These two were, were occupied. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. No, that's good. That's actually <laughs> yes, really good. Clearly proof that I'm a mom. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> where where in the world was I? And you um, have categories in the book of... Yes, um, okay. The, so, yeah, so I laid out kind of a good rubric of ways to think about it that you could say and just jot down like in each area I'm going to think of one that I can do over the next year um you know one food tradition one faith tradition one birthday tradition one hmm. relationship tradition like one-on-one -on -one dates whatever and I mean if it's if it's a mom who's to answer your question who's seriously overwhelmed strapped for time strapped for money strapped for energy I would honestly just pick like three traditions that you feel like are the biggest bang for your buck over the coming year and just try to be really faithful to those. Mm -hmm. Like pick something that you just really love for Christmas, for in the summer, you know. I, I think that there are, it is a good, better, best thing. I think there are certainly some that are just, that are really, really important. Um, I really believe strongly in vacations. And, you know, growing up, I think I thought they were excessive or just take it or leave it. But I have realized that those times, you, you talked about it, Brad, you know, in the car, like getting away from our stuff, away from our hopefully devices, change of scenery, just us. Yeah, I think that's one that I would really try to, even if you had to scrimp and save and just make it a long weekend and, you know, I would prioritize that. I mean, church is a tradition and I think there, that's when you already have probably, but if not, I would certainly do that. So I would just, I would just try to pick a couple that are really, really, you feel you believe in, and then just pray for the strength to implement those faithfully. Yeah. I noticed in some of your, um, information about your, your ministry, you, you mentioned a couple of things. One is you, you're really passionate about helping moms detach from the ever present lure of technology which can feel way more fun than parenting. Tell me about that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that if most moms who are listening are probably already nodding because it's just, I envy our parents. You know, I envy my dad when he came home, he didn't have emails sitting next to him in the bed. You mm -hmm. know, it was if the boss called, he stepped out in the other room and did it. But then when he went to bed, he went to bed. And for my mom... You know, she had to talk on the phone with a cord wrapped around her if she wanted to, you know, connect with someone. And we've got it at every second. And um, I think it is one of the most, it's one of the biggest issues facing parents and kids today. And I don't think we see it for what it is. And I'm not preaching this as, oh, I've, you know, achieved success in this. Um, but I see what it is. I, I see that that we are going to look back, I believe, and really regret that we've been staring at screens and not faces. And so implementing rituals to disconnect is, is huge. And I can give you a couple examples of those. Um, you know, I think that on Sundays, it should be a no tech day. We're approaching as you, as we record this, we're approaching the Easter season. I was just writing somewhere. I think for Holy Week, Detach, no, no tech. I mean, you know, we got to do certain stuff that we got to do, but excessive extra stuff. Um, so just implementing ways in our day, in our week, in our times of the year to detach from that technology. I mean, I just think it's huge. And we're setting an example for our, our kids in what we're doing. And one day it's going to be them with the phone, you know? <laughs> so 
Yeah, it's anyway. very true. One of the other things that I, I read that um, you like have focused on is helping moms um, get away or recover from worry. I know that that is a very mm. prevalent issue that that moms, dads too. But talk to us a little bit about your journey in that regard and and what you do to help women recover from that. Well, I mean, I feel like it will be a lifelong struggle for me. And I go in webs and ebbs, webs. No, that's not the right word. There you go. Ups and downs. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Um, But a huge step was recognizing that it was, that's what the animal was that I was dealing with. And, Mm. um, you know, there's so many layers to it for moms who are dealing with that. I think what I would say, first of all, is that everybody has something. If you're a mom and you're listening to this and you've been oppressed by fear and, you know, depression, anxiety, it can feel very isolating and you can feel like you're the only one that doesn't feel normal. Um, and that's not true. And, you know, there was a moment where I was sitting in my bathroom. This was probably seven years ago. Just, you know, just overwhelmed with, with depression and anxiety really, and wondering how the Lord could bring something good out of that. And I think he has by helping me to, to tell other moms that they're not alone. Um, but they, they do need to, to get help. Um, you know, and for me, that looked like talking to a medical doctor and a counselor and also, um, becoming real with friends in my actual life who, I mean, I'll be honest with you just today, you know, I, I have my things that I worry about and I have a prayer triad, two girls from my church that um, we meet every other week and we are real with each other. And it's a specific time that we um, hold each other accountable. And I reached out to them today and just had to confess, you know, how I believe that the lies that that Satan has been telling me and just kind of said, you know, I need you guys to, to um, hold, to tell me the truth. And so I think we need those things, whatever you're facing, you need real life people who actually know mm-hmm. you, who are holding your feet to the fire um, and sometimes professional help. So I, I talk with a lot of moms who are like, you know, I'm so rest, so stressed and so worried and blah, blah, blah. And really the first thing that I say is, you know, you need to, you need to see, mm-hmm. to have pres- professional help. Um, and there's no if shame it's gotten in that. to that point. No. And I think we've gotten better as a culture at eliminating some of that stigma. Um, but it can still feel very scary to take that first step. Yes. I mean, I'm listening to your story. Um, I have a, a grandchild and a half. My, my, I have a daughter. <laughs> I have an 18-month-old grandson of my daughter is due in August with number two. Um, I've seen a little life. I've raised three kids. I had two foster boys. Uh, I, I've been through some of life. I've experienced enough of life to know that what you're describing as a mom in your book is normal and a healthy part of the family life that we're all called to walk through as parents. And I'm really glad that you're taking the time to be transparent and honest with those that are listening, because I don't think that the church can afford too many more fake books. You know, this idea that there's a checklist that if you do these three things, your life will be great. Or if you do just as I did with my kids, then your kids will turn out the same way. Instead, I see that you are saying, these are hard-won things that I've learned in the battle with my own faith, with my own family, that God showed up and helped me with. 
And well, so, I couldn't have said it better than that. <laughs> because what you're what you're showing us, and what I think your book really will provide for the reader, is strategies to be a better mom and to survive this in a way that you don't regret it. So you're looking back and go, I actually got through this okay, and I enjoyed it, and I have a relationship with my Lord and my kids that's good. Well, that that's my goal. You're right. And there are a lot of tips. I mean, I there at the end, there's like 200 different ideas, whatever. But I realize that people don't need tips as much as they need somebody to say, this is hard, um, but it's worth it. So right. keep at it. Well said. It is exactly. well said. And it would, it would reflect you and I's philosophy as fathers because we've messed up so much yep. as dads. I mean, the whole brilliantly brave thing is tongue-in-cheek. You know, we've never felt brilliant or brave as parents. Right. Um, and so I, I think for the mother, the father who's listening, the single parent, the blended family, whatever, whoever is uh, on the other side of this mic – we just want to encourage you, and I, I'm speaking for Robert, and I'm also speaking for Jessica, I think, yes. that this is worth fighting for. It is worth getting through, and you're going to do great because God's yes. going to be with you in it. So, Absolutely. Any last thoughts, Jessica, that you want to share with our audience? Um, no, I mean, you've done such a wonderful job of summarizing what I would hope and dream would come out of this. Um and that's kind of how I ended the book. Uh, I told this funny story about my daughter going to Sunday school and just totally messing up the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And my husband and I are like, well, we're failed. We failed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've taught her nothing. Um, but just the reminder that we can't do this parenting thing right. And that's kind of the whole point. Mm -hmm. Jesus died because we, we weren't all of the things. And so just clinging to him and knowing that um, through our failures, he's so gracious. And um, so, yeah, I would hope that that's what people would get reading the book, the, the encouragement that you don't have to be perfect, but um, we have a perfect father. That's great. Give us some, uh, how, how do people get in touch with you or find out more about um, the book? You have a website? Thank you. Yes. Um, well, the book is on Amazon and wherever books are sold, Memory Making Mom. They can also go to memorymakingmom.com. And I'd love to have them follow me on Instagram. I'm jessica.smart. Two, two T's in smart. Two T's. Extra smart. Awesome. We'll definitely have those uh, links on our show notes as well for this podcast and uh, information about Jessica and her ministry and being a mom and all the cool stuff you're doing. I just, I am so grateful that you are being a, an an authentic representation of what a Christian mom should be. So thank you for sharing that with our audience. Thanks for spending well, time with us you. today. Thank you for letting me come on. Awesome. God bless you. Brad, you know I'm a foodie, right? Absolutely. Okay, I want to tell you about this awesome coffee experience. It's called CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. It is a faith-run coffee culture. And the thing that's really cool about this is that they roast their own beans, they have delicious coffees, and they, they have two brick and mortar, so two coffee bars, as well as a virtual location at cjscoffeecafe.com. Here's the cool thing. They ship their beans, they ship their coffee anywhere in the world, so you don't just have to be in Texas to enjoy it. CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. Awesome. Robert, 
I love it. I, I love authenticity. It's like my favoriteest. It's your favoriteest. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, there's not the the thing is you you can tell when somebody's just you know she had two kids walking in the shop. It's <laughs> so awesome. I, I prefer that. Actually, she's a homeschooler and she meant it. She's sitting yeah. on the floor. Yeah. Like it's that's fantastic. There's something. She's in her, so, she's in her bathroom. I, well, we recording didn't this. Need to say that. Well, I'm you sure. can see the tile. I mean, it's not too. Difficult. The point is that I mean, I think that's a good representation. For so long, we perpetuated the church is perpetuated. I've perpetuated this idea. You got to have it all together and pristine before you put it out there. And I love the fact that she was just, I'm just going to put it out there the way it is. And so um, I encourage you guys to go get this book. And, and uh, cause it's a, it's a great reminder for us to be deliberate about the things that we do every day to create memories, traditions, rituals, whatever you want to call it, that our kids will carry into another generation. It's a way for us to live forward for generations to come. You know what I love the most? Uh, she said today, I had to call my friends. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. struggling with anxiety today. It wasn't right. some reference that's vague. She's like, I'm, I'm in this Just today. today. I had to do it, yeah. Oh my gosh, I respect that so much and compliment her on that uh, transparency. I know there are moms listening right now who are struggling with anxiety today. That's right. And as she said, moms have layers of worry, mm-hmm. not just worry. They have just layers. Know that of you're worry. not alone. Yeah, and pick up this this book. I I think tips are good. Yeah. Like I need tip. I can't think of that stuff. I yeah. mean, I need prompted to to think about how I can engage my kids and and just know that you're never going to end up perfect. That's not the point. Yeah, the point is that we stay dependent. So refreshing, so encouraging. Uh, please uh, take a moment and uh, check out her stuff at memorymakingmom.com. And uh, go ahead and click that subscribe button on your podcast. Uh, device and uh, so we can stay in touch with you. We really appreciate you taking time. We know there's a lot of choices out there um, for things to listen to. So we're honored that you would spend time with us uh, for this 30 minutes and uh, look forward to being here again next week. Be encouraged, parents. You are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week. You know, Robert, every parent, every pastor is looking for resources that are new and insightful for their kids. So true. So so where do we go? Well, with the advent of iShineLive.com, we have a web store. And in that web store, we've got resources. Like what? We've got resources like Bibles. We've got devotionals. We even have journals for kids. Do you have music? We do have music. And video? Absolutely. Wow. And everything's been designed for the preteen and tween in your life. Who needs Amazon? iShineLive.com. Check it out. We are excited to announce the Storms of Life study, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. It's a great subtitle, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, at this point, 
We know that students are stressed, and for parents and pastors, it's important to know what are the top three things that are really on the minds of our kids. So Brad, walk us through what they can expect from the Storms of Life. This is an eight-week study. It has uh, video insights. It has uh, presentations from a actual youth retreat with junior high and high school students. These kids are going to learn about how their faith can help them fight back the stress that they're living with every day at school. Check it out on iShineLive.com.